Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. We hope you enjoyed this segment from our 2022 Boise Reformation Conference with Dr. Joel Beakey and Dr. Derek Thomas as they answer questions about the church. All right, next question. What are some encouraging developments that you can tell us about the church from around the world? Okay, when I, when I, go, when I go around the world, I find that in general, a very dark place is continental Europe and the UK somewhat, although the conferences I get invited to tend to be bright spots. But it's really sad in Europe to see whole nations that before were permeated with Reformation truth have less than 10% of their population even attending church. But the good news is that in Europe, those Christians who are robust and solid tend to be very solid and very robust, even though they're sometimes discouraged. And the tragedy in Europe as a whole is that when you go to preach in different places, often there's more people with gray hair than not. There's not very many children and families and not a very good concept of God's uh, covenant faithfulness and establishment of Christian schools and building it, bringing up children in, in home and school and church in, in a way that is consistent with each other. Um, in Latin America right now, it is extremely amazing. There is a, a, a real revival, a real reformation going on. It's still a remnant, but thousands and thousands are coming out of Pentecostalism, both in Brazilian, Portuguese-speaking country, as well as in uh, the Spanish-speaking countries of Latin America. In our seminary, for example, is getting really, really tied to uh, a lot of... Uh, Latin American countries and seminaries, and they want the reformed, robust, biblical, doctrinal, confessional, experiential, practical ministry. That's very, very exciting for us. And uh, it's the same thing with the book ministry. Reformation Heritage Books has now opened up a, a Spanish division of our ministry because we want to ride the cusp of that wave of, uh, of, of concern, uh, uh, spiritual aliveness in discovering the Reformed faith that is running through right now Colombia, Chile, Peru, Argentina, and so on. So that's a really bright spot in the world today that has, has a lot of possibility for mega, mega amounts of people coming to the Reformed faith. Africa is a hit and miss. There's a lot of hunger in Africa. But tremendous need for instruction, in my opinion. And there are one million ministers in Africa 
that would love further training. It's just amazing. The, the fields are white and ready to harvest. The average minister in Africa has nine books in his study. And so we have a ministry in which we, we take donations and we send, we send crate loads of books. And we have avenues in Africa where we can get them to the hands of ministers. They're craving for the reformed faith, but they know very little about it. But any, any book, the thing is, if send the wrong books, that will move them in the wrong direction. But there's some bright spots in Africa. Uh, certainly Zambia is, is the number one spot. I'm sure you've heard Conrad Mbewe preach and Ronald Kalafungwa and other guys are just wonderful preachers. God's doing a good work there. It's spreading. A Makanya Theological College in South Africa now has a thousand theological students throughout a lot of uh, African countries teaching this solid reformed faith. So there's some encouragement there. And Asia, there's Korea was very bright. It's unfortunately a lot of the biggest Korean churches are now following the patterns of American televangelists, tragically. But there's still a lot of faithful churches in Korea. They tend to be smaller, and by smaller I mean uh, 100 to 2,000 compared to the big churches. Uh, China, of course, is just a huge movement underground, and persecution is getting a lot tougher there. But God is faithful. A lot of Chinese students in the seminaries over here. There's some encouragements there. And then you've got, of course, Australia. Some, some pickup there recently. Uh, New Zealand. Overall, not too much going on, but there is a large conference there of a thousand people. And so there's some encouragements there. Joel, but, uh, yeah, go ahead. Friends of mine who've been to Indonesia in the last yeah. decade speak of a significant number yeah. of reformed Christians yeah. in what is the capital of Islam. Yeah, Indonesia. Indonesia. Yeah, so we, my wife and I just came back from Indonesia of a, course. a few weeks ago. That's why I asked you to answer the question. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can you confirm that about Indonesia? Yeah, I think, I think so. I think, I think it's growing. Um, we were called upon by Reverend Stephen Tong, Dr. Stephen Tong, and he's now 83 years old, and, um, but he's got a, just a massive ministry there, a couple thousand people in the church. But there's, yeah, there's expansion, but it's, it's, not, it's not as vibrant, I don't believe, as it is in Latin America right now. But it, it's, it's on the encouraging upswing and trend, and there's a lot of hunger there for good seminary teaching in Indonesia and in the Philippines, by the way, as well. There's a growing groundswell of support, a support there as well. I talk too long. You. <laughs> I mean, we do tend to think in the sort of tenfold window and, and forget that God is doing, you know, and we can get discouraged about North America and certain parts of North America and certain Europe. Um, but God is doing a very significant work in other parts of the world. Mm. Um, and those, I think, who travel or, or who follow international missions closely are aware of it. But, you know, the, the person who doesn't even have a passport, and I meet people in South Carolina that don't have a passport. Mm. And, and so they, they need to be reminded constantly, first of all, how 
big this world is, but that God may not be doing what we would like him to do here just now, but he is doing significant things in certain parts of the world. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm going to piggyback one more thought, too, about America. You know, I mean, take this conference, okay, 350 registered six years ago when you started out. Um, Now 615 registered. So that you see that around around America as well. I, I say of America, the godly are becoming more godly. I truly believe that. It's not just going to conferences, of course, but I mean, in, in terms of uh, also hunger for good books, it's often a tangible measurement where you say, how hungry are people? Well, when they go out and buy good books and they really read them and their lives grow in addition to the Lord's Day worship, and they're really people that are searching the scriptures. That's a sign of a healthy, healthy church. And I see that happening more and more in America, not, not, not like Latin America right now, but most conferences are getting bigger. Uh, we just did a Puritan conference in, with, with MacArthur uh, two weeks ago in California. Uh, just our little book table sold $27,000 worth of books to these people. There's just so, so much hunger today. People want to know what the Puritans, especially the Puritans, are saying, what they wrote, how they live such godly lives. They want their own lives to be more godly. And that's exciting to me. So I, see, I, see, I do see considerable encouragement, but at the same time, the ungodly are getting more ungodly. The antithesis is getting sharper, certainly. And there's, like Dr. Thomas just said, there's going to be much, much more persecution coming, coming down the road. All right, next question. Uh, Dr. Well, r- real quickly, Dr. Thomas, how long have you been um, in the church as a Christian? You said 40 years, 50 years? Uh, I've been a Christian for 50 years, okay. uh, 50 years last December. And then, Dr. Bicky, your whole life, you were raised in the church? Well, I was converted when I was 14 okay. in Yellowstone National Park. Okay. And I took my wife. I saw a bear. Huh? Did you see a bear? <laughs> what, what, what was it? I saw the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a very small event that happened to me from every other human perspective, but I had been really, really searching for God, had been under some conviction of sin, and I took a long trip with my, my brother and another friend, 8,000 miles, went to the Rocky Mountains. I was trying to feel the reality of God there, and it yeah, worked a little bit, but when we came back to Yellowstone National Park, we woke up on a Saturday morning, it's really a bizarre small thing, but we couldn't find the keys anywhere. My parents let me go only on the basis that we would be in one of our denominational churches every Lord's Day. So we had 600 miles to go that day, and we had to get up early to leave. We couldn't find the keys. We lifted up our sleeping bags a couple times, couldn't find them. They went out into the woods to try to find a stick to open up the trunk. They think one of them must have dropped the keys in the trunk. I went back into the tent just fell on my face, and I said, oh, Lord, I, gave, I really gave a Gideon's fleece. I said, Lord, if thou art the living God, I long for communion with thee, and give me a sign by showing me where these keys are. And Were you using these and thou's at 14 years old? <laughs> oh, of course. I grew up in that atmosphere. <laughs> Everybody used the and thou's at that time. Everybody. Um, and, oh, by the way, when you use the and thou's, my son came to, our son came to me at 13 years of age, and he said, Dad, you want to know what my, what my favorite author is? I go, sure. 
He goes, it's John Owen. I said, you don't have any trouble reading John Owen? Trouble reading John Owen, he says. Why would you have trouble reading John Owen? Why? Well, he, he grew up in the school and the home and the church with these and thousands and all the old language. Today, people can't even read Matthew Henry because they don't know any of the old language. Well, that's, I'm getting sidetracked. So... <laughs> What, what, what happened then is I, I, I earnestly was searching for God. That's the main point. And, but when I got up from my knees, I felt something hard underneath, lift up, sleep, and make. And there were the keys. Now, at that very moment in my life, I became a totally lost sinner before God. God became more real to me than the, ch- the church pews were, the chairs were sitting in. And I got in the back seat of the car. We drove that 600 miles. I wept the whole way. I saw myself as a, hanging over the pit of hell. I wasted 14 years of my life. I got back home. I told all my friends, I said, I cannot be your friend anymore until I find the living God. And I, I hold myself up in my bedroom every night. I read the Bible from cover to cover several times. I read my dad's entire bookcase, entire bookcase of Puritan books. He let me mark up in them I, I made marks, I made question marks. I just was searching for God. And we finally got a minister after 41 years of vacancy who was very gospel-centered. And uh, he said to my grandfather one night, for you too, there's a possibility of a way of escape in Christ Jesus our Lord. And at that moment, the burden fell off my back. I felt just like Bunyan. And I saw that there was a finally a full way of escape for me in Jesus Christ. I didn't know the words passive obedience or active obedience, but I saw it. I saw that he obeyed the law fully for me. He paid fully for my sins. I went to bed that night just rejoicing. I was, well, almost like a Pentecostal, I guess. My hands were up in the air crying, praising God till three o'clock in the morning. I couldn't stop talking to God and listening to his voice. It was just, there was a constant stream of communion. I went down and I knocked on my dad's bedroom door and I got him out of bed at three o'clock in the morning and said, I've been saved. My sins are washed away. 